What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Takeover. I am your host, Donovan White. As always, we've got another great episode for you guys today. We are previewing the Penn State Nittany Lions, a team in the Big Ten that has always in the past few years been up there in contention, had some ups and downs a little bit last year and the year before the COVID year, but a team nonetheless that has a lot of potential, um, a lot of player departures that will go through some new faces that I think are really going to make a splash in the Big Ten. Um, but a really exciting episode continuing on with these, these team reviews and previews for 2022, giving you all some content um, in between the kind of dead period with no football, the NFL draft is over. We're still waiting, you know, to see, read some articles from spring football. We're waiting for summer camps to go through, waiting for uh, training camp to come through in August for college football teams. So plenty of content from here. Um, really excited to dive in. But of course, as always, we here at the Takeover Sports Network have teamed up with Prize Picks, and they have a special offer for everyone listening and viewing. Uh, new users that deposit and use the promo code TAKEOVER will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is the easiest way to play daily fantasy and more. You can pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus projected numbers. Prize picks has a ton of stats to choose from, including points, rebounds, assists, touchdowns, thrones, whatever it may be, they have it. Prize picks also allows mixed sports entries. So, for example, you could take the over on Tom Brady's passing yards in a game this season and also take the under on Saquon Barkley's rushing yards. Price Picks offers every sport you can think of, NFL, college football, NBA, MMA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, and more. Price Picks has an award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app, which you can find both on the App Store and Google Play. And entries on Price Picks made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. So if you're looking for a fun and easy way to play daily fantasy, put in your own picks, whatever it may be, make sure you check out Price Picks and don't forget to use a promo code TAKEOVER so they know we sent you. That's Price Picks promo code TAKEOVER. So... As I mentioned before, we are previewing Penn State. And Penn State is a team that last year, you know, as James Franklin said this, I want to say about a year or two years ago, um, after they lost to Ohio State or Michigan, they lost a big-time game. And he said, you know, one of the things he had to do when building the program up was they had to go from where they were to good to great, right? And he he said, "We've, we've gone from, you know, where we were to good. We've gone from good to great. He goes, we are a great program. He goes, we have to figure out how to get to elite. Right. That's when they start winning Big Ten championships. That's when they start contending for them. That's when they start making the playoffs. That's when they start contending to go to the playoffs. So I think James Franklin a couple of years ago hit it on the head, hit the hammer on the on the head when they said, when he said, you know, Penn State is a great football program right now. Again, they had some ups and downs last year. They were seven and six uh, year before with COVID year. But as of recent in his tenure, they've been a great Big Ten football program. They just need to figure out how to get to elite. And they're recruiting at a, at a clip that is elite for the Big Ten and elite in the country. We'll talk a little bit about their incoming, uh, their recruiting class. It's it's top 10 nationally, right? They're bringing in five stars, four stars. How do they get over the hump to become an elite program like James Franklin mentioned? But Last year, they started off the season strong, 5-0. and They had wins against Wisconsin, wins against Auburn, uh, both you know good games. Wisconsin of 16-10, so kind of showed some of their offensive struggles or um, uh, inadequacies pretty early. Uh, but their run game was the main culprit that they couldn't find any true run game. Um, Sean Clifford was doing a lot of the work himself with some quarterback runs, and he's not a Trace McSorley. He's not a guy that we've seen at Penn State in the past that can do that all the time. Um, their offensive line just struggled to get the true rush game going with their running backs, um, even with some talented backs back there. But again, Sean Clifford, um, not a lot of the – he could run a little bit, but he's not going to be a guy um, at that point of the season that could carry them, you know, and you know, carry them with his potential and his arm strength and his talent. Um, but he's a guy that could get it done for them if they had a more balanced offense, which they didn't have even at that 5-0 mark. But 
after they started 5-0, they entered a huge matchup at Iowa, where I think both Iowa and Penn State were ranked in the top five. They might have been three and four. So it was a huge matchup, uh, not just for the Big Ten, but for college football playoff hopes for both and for national contention, um, what that meant going forward, especially for an Iowa team at that point that was, you know, coming out of nowhere. Penn State had been up in that in those rankings, uh, you know, in the past. But so it was a huge matchup, um, great matchup uh, to watch. And uh, that's where really a lot of their offensive struggles came came to light. Um, Sean Clifford left the game uh, midway through, I want to say, with an injury. But at that point, he had thrown for two interceptions. Um, his backup had come in uh, to Quan Robinson, came in and threw for two more interceptions, but it was a young quarterback. wasn't too fair for him to go in there and, and have that performance and uh, judge him for that performance like some people might have. But it was a game where you know Iowa's defense was – elite last season um it was elite it was up there in rankings with georgia it was up there in rankings with others and so it, it was tough to watch you know when when tech when taquan robinson came in but uh sean clifford left the game you know with an injury could have gone differently had he not left who knows we'll, we'll never know but and then that game kind of exposed him and again i know iowa had a great defense but uh penn state really showed some of the struggles just had 287 total yards of offense um again granted against a not very good in elite Iowa defense, um, but their offense was clearly holding them back. So they sat there in the following week. They fell uh, again for their second loss season to Illinois in nine overtimes. I didn't stutter. If you forgot about that nine overtime loss to Illinois, um, I don't know what's more embarrassing to go and lose a game in nine overtimes or to lose a game to Illinois, but thankfully they did it in both. So we don't have to argue about that, but nine overtime loss. I think a lot of Penn state fans will agree was really disappointing because there's an Illinois team that had some kind of a little bit of, you know, rebound from previous seasons, but it was still Illinois' bottom of the barrel Big Ten last year, um, especially they still were. Um, and Penn State had 227 total yards of offense. Um, so it really was a bad showing by the Penn State offense. Um, defense did fine. I mean, obviously they held Illinois to 20 points. Even in, uh, you know, I don't remember what the score was going into the first overtime, um, but it wasn't, you know, uh, Illinois probably had 10 points maybe, you know, it was probably 10-10. Uh, so it, it was a matchup where, you really saw Penn State's offense struggle and against a team that shouldn't have struggled against. Struggling against Iowa is one thing. Struggling against, you know, another good defense is one thing. But Illinois, uh, whatever the rankings were, they they weren't a good team. And so to really see them struggle like that was a shame. They held their own in Columbus, um, you know, with the Buckeyes the next week. Um, and we all know Ohio State's defensive troubles um, last year, especially is one of the reasons probably they, they got kept out of the college ball playoff, um, contributing a loss to Oregon and Michigan. But Allowed, allowed Sean Clifford to throw, um, have a really good game, throw for over 350 yards. Uh, but again, the ground game is what kept them back. They had 33 yards rushing total, 33 yards rushing for the game. Um, and, and Ohio State's defense, as a Buckeye fan, it was, their defense was terrible last year. Their strength was the, was the running, was the rush defense. But that being said, if a team's throwing for 350, 350 plus on you, you should be able to get the run go, game going a little bit. And they couldn't do any of that, um, which I think really plays to their offensive line struggles that we'll talk about here in a little bit. They closed the season out with wins against Rutgers and Maryland, uh, but losses to Michigan, Michigan State um, in the regular season, and then Arkansas in their bowl game had them finish 7-6 and six on the season. And um, those losses to Michigan, Michigan State, they were close games. I remember the Michigan-Penn State game was a thriller. I was watching that game. It was awesome. Um, but they finished season 7-6 and six after that loss to Arkansas in the bowl game where it was 24-10, so not as close as the other two. Um, but after that, we just kind of sat, and, and Penn State fans and Big Ten fans looked and said, you know, what if, what could have happened? Uh, they had a second half collapse of the season. They started five and zero, and they finished seven and six. Right? They went two and six in their last eight games, um, two and you know, two and five in their in their regular season games. So they they had a bit of a collapse, which with injuries, with Sean Clifford going out against Iowa, probably not 
you know, not having not having that momentum from a big Iowa win to carry them certainly could have changed things. But uh, it, I think Penn State fans will agree it was a bit of a collapse. Uh, after the season, or kind of in November, so right at the end of the season, uh, James Franklin signed a 10-year, $70 million contract extension in November, which seemed, from what I've you know gauged from Penn State fans, and correct me if I'm wrong, Penn State fans, but some of you all called it a little undeserving. Um, and, and I don't know if that's more based on his past two years performance, which is, I think would be very fair to call it on a serving or history, you know, so far with Penn state, um, because so far with Penn state, he's obviously brought that program up to some pretty high points, beating Ohio state, making it, you know, different bowl games, uh, you know, competing for big 10 championships, competing in the top 10 for a while. Um, so it might've been from the past couple of years, but, um, it's an interesting assessment because you just look and you say, okay, COVID year was 2020, it was a really bad year for Penn state. And then last year, um, seven and six, he still made a bowl game and they started off hot, but um, injuries and other things and offensive struggles kind of led them to where they were to be seven and six. So somewhat disappointing season for Penn State. Um, I don't know if, if Penn State fans went into it thinking that they were going to be a playoff contender. I didn't go in there thinking Penn State was going to be a playoff contender last year, but um, it was certainly somewhat disappointing. The talent they have, um, especially what they lost on defense, will we'll run through the list. You can see what kind of talent they had and, and, and the fact that they were only able to go seven and six. Um, you know, is, is a little bit disappointing. But for their 2022 season, um, I mentioned some of their departures. First one is wide receiver Jahan Dotson. First one comes to mind for me because he's a Washington Commanders pick, and I'm a huge Commanders fan. Um, I'm excited to have him in D.C., but that's a huge loss for Penn State, um, only because of how dynamic, how talented he was. Offense ran through him a lot. Um, he was an elite playmaker in the Big Ten. Uh, one of the best three receivers in the Big Ten. Some might, some could argue he was the best receiver in the Big Ten, um, along with him and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. But he's gone. Safety Jaquan Brisker, who I was super high in uh, on in the NFL draft, is gone. Uh, Noah Kane, running back, transferred to LSU. Uh, linebackers Brandon Smith and Ellis Brooks. Um, so two of the of the three starting linebackers, both guys that were really really good playmakers, um, uh, leaders of the team in tackles. I think Penn State's defense loses five of their seven. Um, tack, top tacklers for the season. So they got to replace some of that. Uh, offense tackle Rashid Walker, who I was higher on um, the year before he declared. I thought he was going to declare um, coming out of 2020, but he didn't. Um, didn't have as, as great of a season. I was thought I think he was picked uh, in the sixth or seventh round by the Packers. So he's gone. And then Arnold uh, uh, Bichetti, I think I just butchered his name, but I apologize, Arnold. Uh, sack leader for Penn State is gone as well. So quite the departures on defense. Uh, we'll talk some more of their rankings and what that kind of means to them, but they lost some serious talent. And I think that's where a lot of frustration comes from Penn State fans, where you had so much talent, uh, you know, put aside the offense for a second. Um, you had so much talent on defense. You had Jaquan Brisker, you had Brandon Smith, Ellis Brooks, um, Arnold uh, Ebiketti, uh, so much talent back there and, and others that I know that also got drafted um, or just kind of use up their eligibility but so much talent back there. And you still had Jahan Dotson. You still had, you still had Parker Washington, where Shiva will talk about in a second. You still had Sean Clifford. And for his, you know, even for his, you know, uh, inability, um, at, let's say at quarterback, he still wasn't the worst quarterback in the Big Ten. He wasn't even a bottom half quarterback. He was a top half quarterback in the Big Ten. He had flashes, right? Again, Ohio State, 360 yards passing under the lights in Columbus. He has flashes. That game against Ohio State, if the rest of the offense could help him out a little bit, the defense which they did do um, as much as they could, about 33 points given up to Ohio State. If they could have done something more with that talent, they could have done something at a time where Ohio State was still kind of struggling. Um, I, I think I think that's the big frustration with Penn State fans is there was so much what if with all the talent they had. And it's going to be hard to replace, especially on the defense side of the ball. 
Some of their key returners, though, obviously Sean Clifford, um, whatever you want to think about him, his, his pure talent level, um, what do you think he'll do this season, what do you think he could do in the NFL, um, to have a uh, veteran returning quarterback um, in the big in a conference like the Big Ten is huge. Someone who has been in the th- you know in the thick and thin, someone who has won big time games, someone who's lost big time games. Um, I think it's underrated sometimes. We just say, oh, this kid won you know a bunch of games at quarterback. Well, did he lose any games? Does he know what it means to lose a big time game? Sean Clifford ha- has done that, and that's not a knock on him. He's been in both situations. He is he knows what he's going to get um, from different you know. Uh, varying ranges of emotion during games. He knows what he's going to get. And I think Penn State fans know what they're going to get from him, which can be a good and a bad thing. Um, running back, Kavion Lee um, is coming back, should be the kind of the, the main ball carrier running back. Wide receiver Parker Washington, I'm super high on him. 840 yards last year, four touchdowns um, at receiver. I think he's going to step in pretty seamlessly um, and kind of fill the shoes of Jahan Dotson. Uh, and that's no shot on Jahan Dotson or no um, overation on, on Parker Washington, but I think he's going to step in and do quite a good job. Um, defensive back, G.I.R. Uh, G. Uh, Brown um, looks to step in and kind of take the place as the leader of the secondary um, with Jaquan Brisker leaving. Offensive lineman, uh, Juice Scruggs, he figures to move at center, which is kind of what I've been reading his more natural position, um, seems to be the kind of anchor point in the offensive line um, on a unit that lost three offensive linemen, three starters. Um, so he's going to need to step up and really be that quarterback of the offensive line is typically with the center is he's going to need to step up and do that. And then Curtis Jacobs, he's the lone returner at linebacker. I've seen, they've been talking about moving him to Sam, moving him to Will, moving him to Mike. They've been moving him um, a lot of different places in spring ball, just trying to figure out, okay, with such um, production lost from the other two linebackers, Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith gone, where can we put Curtis Jacobs? It's going to really um, maximize his potential and maximize our defense with him having that game experience and that talent coming back. The new additions are the ones that I'm the most excited about to talk about with Penn State fans, and I think you all would agree. I'm going to save the best for last, but uh, defense coordinator Manny Diaz, former head coach at Miami, Florida. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see what he does um, coming in. I don't. I, I, I'd be curious to look at track records of head coaches that come in and um, become a coordinator. You know, kind of the same level. Um, Miami, Florida, to Penn State um, is is. In terms of programs, is they're, they're kind of equal right now. I think Penn State's a better program, just recent success, but coupled with that, um, I, I think him moving there, I'm curious to see what he does with this defense that lost a lot of talent. I want to see what kind of um, game knowledge and, and, and different schemes he's going to bring to see what he can do with, uh, I don't want to call it depleted because of the talent that they still have there, but a, a team and a roster and a defense that did lose a lot of production um, last season. And then their recruiting class, they're bringing in three five-stars and four and 13 four-stars. Um, Penn State, ladies and gentlemen, is still recruiting at a high clip. They were ranked, uh, I think it was six nationally, um, six nationally last year, or for this coming class. So they're recruiting talent at a high clip. Now, some people might call NIL, some people, you know, we'll, we'll call whatever. But Penn State is a solidified, good program to go to in an electric college pool atmosphere under a head coach in James Franklin that seems as though people enjoy um, to be coached under. Um, and, and it seems though he's a good coach, right? He keeps him in contention. Uh, and again, I'm kind of excluding 2020 and 2021 a little bit because his success um, in the past shouldn't be completely shadowed by some of the struggles um, in, in 2020, which was trying for a lot of different teams. And then 2021 battle injuries and various other things. So I'm curious to see if any of those guys are ready to play, um, especially the five stars, but they're bringing in talent. Uh, the other piece of talented, you know, kind of uh, talented playmakers that they're bringing in is Mitchell Tinsley. Um, he was at Western Kentucky last season and earlier in his career. 
finished the season last year with over 1,400 yards receiving and 14 touchdowns. This guy could be huge for Penn State. Let me tell you why. Penn State, as a defense last year, only allowed 17 points per game, which was sixth nationally ranked in the country. So their defense was, you could you could call it elite um, in, in certain regards. Uh, with some of those losses, right, with the losses of Jaquan Brisker, with their sack leader, with Brandon, Brandon Smith, with Ellis Brooks, they have to figure out a way, one, to make sure that their defense doesn't fall off a cliff. Manny Diaz is going to have to do that. And they have a lot of talent coming back. I already mentioned Jair Brown, uh, Curtis Jacobs. They have some talent coming back. They got to figure out how to make sure the defense doesn't go from six to 86, right? They got to keep it somewhat consistent. I don't think even Penn State fans or the coaches are expecting them to remain at six. If they did, that'd be great. But keep them in the upper, you know, quarter of college football. If you keep them in the top 30, top 35, I think that's going to help out a lot. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that with those departures on defense, the offense has to step up. They have to get better. They have to help out their defense. Typically, when we see kind of a one-sided team, Ohio State's a great example of it last season. Their offense was elite. It was probably the best in college football. Their defense, on the other hand, was atrocious. And so we always talk about, can Ohio State's defense just help them out a little bit? Can they can they do a little something? And I don't even think the gap in difference of, you know, Ohio State's great offense, terrible defense. I don't think that gap, I think that gap is bigger than Penn State's great defense and Penn State's not very good offense last year. So I don't think that gap is that um, far apart for Penn State. But the, the, the piece of that is that Penn State's offense needs to step up and help out their defense. And I think... Sean Clifford coming back an experienced quarterback who is, yeah, he's a game manager. I get it. He can make some plays with his legs, but he's experienced. He has shown his ability sometimes to win big games. Um, and again, and lose big games. But I think him partnered with uh, Mitchell Tinsley, Parker Washington, uh, with Kavion Lee, I think those four could make a big difference in Penn State's team coming up. Now, their offensive line is where you really need to kind of piece it together because last year they were a train wreck. In, in, in the rushing offense, they were a train wreck at times in pass protection for Sean Clifford. Um, he was getting beat up uh, plenty of times last season. So they really need to figure it out. Juice Scruggs, hopefully, I think moving to center could help out some of those offensive line pieces. And I think it, it's an underrated piece when you think you see only one guy that you kind of know of um, that, that is going to be a quality starter. And you say, oh, well, what's just, you know, him going to from guard to center or moving officially to center going to do? Well, when one guy, especially at center, is the commander of that offense, it causes so much um, ease of communication. It causes so much just you can take a deep breath when you have someone at center being able to call out the alignments, call out the plays. I don't think a lot of fans see that or hear that sometimes, but the center is the commander of the offense line typically. Sometimes in different programs or different um, levels of offense line ability, um, it'll be a tackle or guard, but typically it's the center. And at Penn State, it's going to be the center. So. That's going to be a huge piece of that offensive line. We'll see what else they can do. Um, they had a few transfers come in, I believe. Uh, but again, a, a unit that I don't know if it'll get worse, but I don't know if it's going to be elite. Um, and it doesn't need to be elite necessarily, but it needs to get better. Um, it just needs to get, move the needle a little bit. Because if it does, you're going to have playmakers in Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley. Mitchell Tinsley, I'm huge on. He, Him, I, I think he could be one of the th- mm, top three receivers in the Big Ten next year with Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, with Jaden Reed at Michigan State, I think Mitchell Tinsley, depending on how well um, their run game is set up with with the offensive line, with the running backs, um, and how well Sean Clifford can perform, I think he could be numbers wise a top three, top four receiver in the Big Ten, and just overall ability, top three, top four receiver in the Big Ten. So with that, uh, in order for Penn State to be in Big Ten contention, they need they need some some you know they need some abilities 
that are yet to be seen by some of those backups on defense uh, to step up a little bit. Uh, we need to see what Manny Diaz can bring to the table in terms of schemes. That's one piece. The defense is one piece, and with a lot of losses, we'll see how they do. I tend to think Penn State's going to be able to you know, reload and, and, and re-up just fine on defense, maybe not top five, top ten like they were, but reload just fine to be um, certainly top half in the country in defense and scoring defense again. It's what can they do at wide receiver, and I, or excuse me, on offense. And I think their addition at wide receiver, their returning at wide receiver, their quarterback experience, their talent at running back, all of that can play well for them uh, to have a good season, be back in Big Ten contention. I think a lot of it is going to rest on offensive line. I think the production that they lost from Jahan Dotson and others is going to be fine from Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley. Can the offensive line step up, protect Sean Clifford, get the run game going, and then in turn open up a pass game for two of those really, really good receivers? So when you look at their schedule, um, a lot of this I'm basing off of can their offensive line do, the, do some of the things we just talked about. Um, if they can, I think some of these might change. Um, in this scenario, I'm not saying they aren't going to or can't. I just think if they play about the same as they did last year, get just a little better, this is how I think it's going to happen. So they open, open up the season at Purdue. I think Purdue's a sneaky good team. Um, I think I, I unfortunately think Penn State's going to take, take the loss there, open up the season at Purdue. Then they play Ohio University, get the win there. It's an easy win. They play at Auburn. I think Auburn's going to be pretty bad this year. Uh, I'm giving Penn State the win. That's going to be a great game to watch just because it's early in the season for Auburn. So some SEC deniers might not know or might not admit that Auburn's going to be bad, but this might be a time where you really kind of see that because at this moment, I think Penn State's more talented, more well put together, more experienced, um, and not as much chaos and turmoil as Auburn is. So I think they get the win there. Central Michigan, fourth game, they get the win there easy. Northwestern, they get the win there. And then they play at Michigan. I think even with Michigan's with some of their departures, um, I think Michigan gets the win. Um, I think Penn State and Michigan are actually fairly similar teams. I don't think Michigan has the skill at wide receiver that Penn State does, but they're fairly similar teams. Penn State has, I think Sean Clifford is better than Cade McNamara or JJ McCarthy, depending on who starts. But um, I'm going to give the edge to Michigan just because it is at Michigan um, and they do have still a lot of talent, a lot of momentum riding off of last season. They play Minnesota at home. I think they'll get the win against Minnesota. They play Ohio State at home. I think Ohio State wins that game. Um, I don't doubt that it's going to be a close game. Um, no matter what, even if all of my records on here are completely backwards and Penn State is, you know, two and four, two and five coming to this game, I still think it's a close game. Um, even if Ohio State's averaging 60 points a game, I still think it's a close game. It always typically is with Penn State and Ohio State. And in Happy Valley, that is going to be, I would assume, a night game, a whiteout. It's going to be electric, but I still think that Ohio State gets the win. They play at Indiana. Indiana, I think, is going to be in shambles this season as a program. I think they get the win against them. Maryland is the one. Penn State fans, you might not like this. Maryland is the one where I think they slip up a little bit. Maryland, and I'll cover them in another preview later, has a lot of talent on offense led by Talia Tungvaluwa. Got a little bit of a of a of a Big Ten crush on him. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback, and I think that offense is going to drive Maryland um, into some uh, more wins, you know, so to say, this coming season. So I think that is a loss for Penn State. Um, again, that's one where I'm not so set on. Maryland certainly could beat them. They certain Penn State certainly could beat them. Um, in fact, I think Penn State's probably going to be favored in that game. And if they had a line for it right now, Penn State's probably favored in that game right now, which I think is fair. Um, so if Maryland won, I think it'd be an upset um, to some extent. But I think Maryland's going to win. If they don't, wouldn't be a shocker. Penn State then plays at Rutgers. I think they win. Then they play home against Michigan State. And I, I quite honestly think Penn State's going to beat Michigan State. Um, I think some of the losses Michigan State had 
um, and some of the uh, just I, I don't know if the juice has run out for Michigan State. Not saying they're going to drop off the face of the earth and be four and eight. I just don't think they're going to be you know double digit win season. You know, be in the top five again, be doing all that. I think Penn State gets the win there, which puts them overall at eight and four. Now, here's the thing. With all the talent they have, the recruiting level that they've been at, with the playmakers on offense, um, you know, wide receiver especially that they have, with the talent we know they still have at defense, even with the, the losses into the draft and, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Eight and four is my prediction. But the games that I predicted them to lose, Purdue, Michigan, Maryland, and Ohio State, those four games. In my opinion, the only game on there that isn't, that isn't, I wouldn't ever really say, oh, I, I could see that being flipped as Ohio State. And I know the bias you're showing. I just, I think Ohio State's going to operate at a pretty high clip this season. That being said, there's no reason that Penn State couldn't beat Purdue. There's no reason that they couldn't beat Michigan, even at Michigan. There's no reason that they couldn't beat Maryland. There's no reason they couldn't beat Maryland. I just tend to think that Maryland's offense could be pretty electrifying this year. And I think that could cause some trouble against, a, again, Penn State defense. It's got to reload. I think we'll still be good, um, but could cause some issues. So, Penn State fans, I think your ceiling for this year, your ceiling is 10 and 2, 11 and 1, truly. Um, your, the talent is there at Penn State, so the coaching is there. The schedule is there. Uh, quite honestly, the schedule, I know you have names with, with Auburn, you have Purdue, you have Ohio State, you have Michigan State, Michigan. Some of those names kind of stick out as either top teams in the Big Ten or Auburn, you know, because the SEC bias is, oh, scary Auburn. Auburn's going to be terrible, Penn State fans. Don't listen to that noise. They're going to be terrible. But Purdue, even though they were a good team last year, I I don't think Purdue's some juggernaut that Penn State couldn't beat. I just tend to think that Purdue's a little under the ranks and that they're going to get the win to open it up. Uh, Michigan had to do a lot of reloading, too. Uh, maybe the atmosphere at Michigan doesn't phase Penn State. Maybe Penn State walks in there and beats them. Um, I just tend to think the atmosphere and, and just kind of the, the momentum of Michigan, even though they got blasted in the playoffs, is going to carry over a little bit next season. Maryland, again a team that has still been up and down and is still trying to figure out their way. Penn State could and probably should beat Maryland. Um, I just tend to think that Maryland's going to have a better season than most expect this year. So with that, your ceiling, while I'm sitting 8-4, and four, your ceiling, Penn State fans, I think truly is 10-11-1, and two, 11 and one, where you are back in Big Ten contention, where you are back fighting in the top 10, top 15 uh, rankings, going toe-to-toe with Ohio State, waiting, coming out of the last wide, beating Michigan State at the end of the season to see what's going to happen, to see if, you know, if Ohio State loses to Michigan, are you in because, you you know, you you beat Michigan, whatever it is. Uh, I, I still think there's plenty of potential for Penn State this season. I, stay, I say eight and four. That's no shot to Penn State as a program because eight and four, um, I, I think, is all what a lot of people are expecting, what I've seen a lot. That's what I'm going to go eight and four. I don't think they're going to fall below that. I don't see them losing Northwestern, Minnesota, Indiana, Rutgers. Um, I could see them slipping up against Michigan State, but quite honestly, if they slip up to Michigan State, uh, I think they would make it up somewhere else if it, if it kind of that scenario plays out. Um, I, but again, I could easily see them beating Purdue, beating Michigan, beating um, Maryland. Ohio State's the one I don't think they'll beat. So your ceiling is 10 and 2, 11 and 1. Uh, Penn State fans, I think your floor is seven and five. I think you'll be eight and four, maybe nine and three, if my Maryland prediction is incorrect. So Penn State going forward, predict in my opinion will be will be back in kind of um, the upper class of Big Ten football. Um, could be the upper upper class of Big Ten football. We'll see what happens. Let me know in the comments what you thought, Penn State fans, Big Ten fans, whoever you are. Let me know what you let me know what you think about my prediction for Penn State and my preview of them for the season. 
If you have videos that you want to hear me talk about, topics you want to discuss when it comes to Big Ten or other breaking news with the transfer portal, the Big Ten, NIL and the Big Ten, let me know in the comments. Uh, make sure you go follow us on the on Twitter at, at Big Ten Takeover, at, at Big Ten Takeover, and on uh, t- uh, Twitter at Takeover Pods. Um, we're building this network up. Really excited. Again, let us know. Let me know in the comments if there's something you want to see. Let me know what you thought. Um, really excited to keep this journey going um, and try and just wait week by week, day by day for more college ball, for more Big Ten football. Until next time, I'm Donovan White, and I will see you all next time.